Welcome to a special series of the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price, Divorce and Empowerment Coach, who is the point of first contact and the leader of your divorce team, bringing all the professionals together to support you. From attorneys and mediators to financial experts to real estate and mortgage professionals, we'll be exploring how these specialized divorce professionals can support you. Through these conversations, we hope to provide valuable insights and information to empower women to make informed decisions and feel confident as they move forward in the divorce process. As a coach of your team, I'm in your corner, empowering you to be the master of your divorce while feeling confident, capable, and beautiful, stepping into the best chapter of your life. Join me in each of these episodes for practical advice, actionable tips, and insights to prepare you for this challenging time. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm Beverly Price, Divorce and Empowerment Coach and the host of the Her Self-Expression Podcast. In this special series that I call the Divorce Expert Series, I am introducing an expert in each area of the divorce process that is available to you. Some of the roles you are familiar with and others you may not be. I hope that by watching this series, you become aware of everything that can help you and everyone that can help you. The expertise ranges from legal to financial to real estate to coaching and accounting to mortgage lending and child-centered divorce. As a divorce and empowerment coach, one of my roles is to recommend experts to you for your areas of need to make your process as smooth, informed, quick, and less expensive. I have spent time with each professional woman in this series and would be happy to introduce you to them. Today, I have these questions for you, whether you're separated, divorcing, or divorced. First, do you know what your budget is? Are you on top of your finances? Do you know what your credit standing is and your savings? My guest today is Sarah Fadelson, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst with Stiletto Financial. Sarah is a financial educator, retirement income specialist. She founded Stiletto Financial to provide women with the education and guidance they need to make independent financial decisions. She works closely with clients who are separated, divorced, widowed, and are looking for advice to make independent financial decisions. Sarah's ultimate goal is to serve as a resource for women to explore and incorporate the components of a comprehensive financial strategy to help ensure their value, security, and future are well protected. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It's so good to have you here, and I'm so looking forward to what you can teach us about the CDFA role. Oh, Beverly, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Now, the, the way as we outline the process of divorce, <clears throat> the way I've seen it work best is that when a woman is just thinking about divorce, not sure if she wants to stay married or divorce, mm -hmm. she can turn to a certified divorce and empowerment coach who can help her walk through that decision. Mm 
And mm-hmm. then if, if she decides to move on with divorce, then as a divorce and empowerment coach, I can refer her to experts that will help her in the process. The CDFA is a critical role that I refer and one of the first ones that I refer. So it's so important to talk to you today. So how, I'm just curious, how did you come up with the name Stiletto Financial? And why work with divorce? Well, I came up with Stiletto Financial because of my background. My father works in finance and my mother was a fashion designer. So I took both worlds and I put them together. And I said, well, what are two things that I know best? I knew fashion and I knew finance. And that's how I came up with Stiletto Financial. I actually ran into it by accident. When I first started in this business in 2009, I started getting a lot of referrals and recommendations from divorced women who say, you know, I'm looking for someone to help me. My husband used to always take care of the finances and I'd rather work with a woman. When a couple is separating, it's... I have read research articles that said between 60 to 80% of the time they go, the women go looking for a new advisor and most of the time it's a woman. So I happened to fall into, to those categories. And so it just happened by chance that I found this market of women that they were looking for advice. And I said, you know what? This is my calling. This is what I'm looking for. And that's how I ended up in the divorce market. That's incredible. I would think a lot of it could come from the fact that when a woman is divorcing, it really impacts her trust of men. And so it would be very natural for her to turn to a woman. Absolutely. Yes. So, so part of our, um, my mission in this is to educate people, educate women in particular. What does a CDFA certified divorce financial analyst do? And how do they fit into the whole divorce picture? Yeah, so a certified divorce financial analyst works a lot like the quarterback on the team. So they're going to be working with all the other uh, professionals on your team to make sure that we're advocating for what would be considered equitable and fair. So what do I mean by that? I mean that as soon as they're done with whoever is coaching them, the second person should be somebody like myself. Why? Because what we're doing is we're trying to figure out what you should be fighting for in a divorce. If you go to the attorney first, what's going to happen is you're not going to know what you're fighting for. With the financial analyst, we're able to sit down, we're able to look at all of your assets, your liabilities, everything that you have, and say, okay, if we were to separate this way, this is what we would consider equitable and fair. So we're helping the person to figure out what are they fighting for and also how to make sure that everybody at the table is getting something. And that's what the CDFA says. It should be something that's considered an equitable and fair separation. Now, do you deal with the woman or the woman and the husband together? It it depends. I've dealt with both where I've only represented just the woman. I've represented just the man. And I've had some amicable divorces where they said, look, we just want to get divorced and we want to figure out what's best for the children. We don't want to prolong this. So there are times that I'm wearing different hats. There are collaborative divorces and there are other divorces where I'm just representing one of the parties. Wow. That's, that's important. Do you, you know, one of the things I hear from women is, and it could play into this trust issue, is they're afraid that their husband is hiding assets. Yes. 
how, what, tell me about that a little bit and that situation and how, um, what your role in that is. Yeah. So that, that is a, a big issue. That's a question that comes up most of the time. Um, if they feel that they really are, there's something missing or for example, my husband owns a business and I don't think that the taxes reflect really what he has in assets, then we would bring in a forensic accountant that would be able to find out exactly if anything is hidden. And if so, how much? Um, in one case, I had guesstimated that one gentleman was hiding about a half a million dollars and actually he was hiding about three quarters of a million dollars in other assets. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's definitely worth it. Um, and then when we come into play is we will use in certain states, they have this program where you can put all the assets, everything that comes up, and then we're able to figure out what's considered a side-by-side -side comparison of what's yours, what's his, what's um, considered marital property. And we're able to actually create graphs, lines, charts that will prove um, what's considered a equitable that can be shown to both attorneys or in some cases to the judge. Does this vary by state? Yes. Or is this something in general? Okay. So there are different rules. Okay. Yes. Yes. So there's different um, states have different rules. The other um, concern slash complaint I hear from women is that the husband is stalling providing the information, that the woman doesn't necessarily have access to it. Um, mm -hmm. Or like you said, it's a business that she had nothing to do with. What are your thoughts on that situation? And are there any steps that can be taken? Yeah. So depending on the state, sometimes we're able to reach back out to the other party and tell them, look, we're going to, for example, at New York State, we have a program that's acceptable to the court system and say, we're going to put all this information into this uh, state approved program. And so once we say that, I'm able to usually get the information quicker because the other side, the attorney is well aware of that specific program. And okay. so they know that if whatever we put in that program, they're going to be able to economically figure out if it's correct. Um, and so it, it eases the tension because we're using a, a program as opposed to just an Excel spreadsheet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, to jump back just a second on the topic of um, hiding assets, what are some of the ways or the signs that assets may be hidden? That just popped into my head. Yes, the tax return. <clears throat> oh, the okay. tax return tells you everything. So on certain parts of the tax form, like the 1040, you will find that if there's a, a line that says that there's dividends or income or interest, there's a dollar amount. And you say, well, I, I don't know. Where are these dividends coming from? Where's this excess interest coming from? It's coming from an account, maybe an account you've never heard of. So that's usually the telltale sign is when you look at, at the tax return, we'll tell you if there's something hidden. What if they have taken the business and incorporated it or filing a separate tax return? Does that play into the divorce as well? Yeah. So we would need both tax returns. Okay. Obviously, if they have a separate business and obviously many people who are um, self-employed, they're going to file two tax returns, right? They're going to file one for their business and one in individually. So at that point, you're supposed to go to the accountant and make sure you get both tax returns. And in those tax returns, it basically tells you the story. It's very hard to hide assets um, 
in a tax return, unless it's real estate, obviously, but there may be rental income. Again, it comes back to this income component. So that's always a gotcha. telltale sign if something's hidden. Gotcha. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Um, so, so when we go back to kind of the financial process, the one thing that comes to mind when you talk about the tax returns or other documents is that starting early, way before you even tell your spouse that you're thinking about a divorce, there's certain information you ought to get your hands on. Um, such as tax returns, bank statements, other things, because if you leave or if he leaves, you may not have access to them. So one of the things I do is when we're talking about um, uh, they're thinking about whether they want a divorce or not, if they do, here's a list of information you need to get copies of before you move forward. And here's a list of things to do you need with your accounts to move forward. Um, are there any special um, things uh, relating to credit in a divorce and finances that women need to be aware of? Yeah. So unfortunately, I've seen a lot of cases where someone gets mad because of what's going on. Maybe it wasn't a mutually uh, agreement, a mutual agreement where we both want this divorce. So all of a sudden right. emotions come into play. And when emotions come into play, all of a sudden it clouds our thinking. And once it clouds our thinking, we may run up the credit card. Um, so we have to understand though, if we do that, that's a joint liability. We're going to be responsible for paying off that credit card with our spouse. If you close the account, it's going to hurt your credit as well. So okay. it's important to find a, a rule where you may say, you know what, um, as of this point forward, we're no longer going to use this credit card. We're going to pay it off 50-50, whatever the case may be. And you're going to go open up an individual credit card and, and move forward. That is going to be the best way to resolve the issue without affecting your credit. Gotcha. Now, is that the kind of thing that you need to put into a legal separation document or a lawyer needs to draw up or it seems like you'd need something in writing rather than yes. he said, she said. Yes. Yeah. Because it, I've seen that too, where they agree upon and then all of a sudden one of them starts using the credit card. So you need, it's always important to get everything in writing. If I could leave that as my motto for this webinar would be get everything in writing. It always helps. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt. Right. Um, I suggest too minimizing face-to-face -face conversations and do things through email, text yes. and or through Absolutely. the attorney. Okay. Um, yeah. the other situation I heard of from a client was they, let's see, they in, in the state they were in, it required a year's separation mm -hmm. and they had, let's see, they didn't have a legal separation, but what he did was he had a retirement account and he went in and cashed took a huge withdrawal out of his retirement account before he was age 60. Mm -hmm. And so there was a huge tax hit and a penalty hit that because they were technically still married, she was liable for. That is correct. Tell, have you seen things like that? Yes. <clears throat> yes. And unfortunately, it's very easy to find that any retirement account, these companies, we keep every single transaction 
on file down to the dollar who signed the paperwork. We have access to everything. Oh, oh yes. So that doesn't mean legally that the other party can't say, well, I didn't know. It doesn't matter. You're still going to have to pay half. Um, right. But that person also is going to be responsible for paying half back to you. Let's say, for example, they took out 50000 and they only got 35000 as an example, because of taxation, then they're going to be responsible for giving you back half of the 35000 because if you're paying the taxes, you should be getting the, the money as well. So Wow. Okay. Yeah. I've seen it up to a half a million dollars, and it's pretty bad. Um, you've told me that it's important to create a budget kind of beforehand and a budget after. Why yeah. is that so important? Yeah, so we're talking about two different pictures you're taking in your life. So the first picture is a separation picture. So that picture, that budget's going to look very different because there's legal fees. There's a lot of people you're working with, and it's going to cost money. Mm -hmm. No such thing as a free lunch, right? So right. That's, that changes the budget. People that don't do that end up with crazy amounts of debt or they have to borrow. Um, I know one lady, she didn't think about that and she ended up with $20,000 of debt and even borrowing from her children just to get divorced. Right. So, so you need you to come up with a divorce budget in addition yep. to your regular budget. Okay. Correct. Then after separation, those fees, all that, that kind of dissipates. So now you have a different budget and now you're living on one income. You may have purchased a new house. You may have to be redoing that house, whatever the case may be. You need to understand that it's a different picture now. The numbers, you can't just do whatever you want anymore because now the income amount also has changed, which means then your budget has changed. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, one of the things in terms of kind of a component of the budget that I see and that I hear from a lot of my clients is they are dead set on keeping the family home. For themselves and for their children, that they think it's best for the children. Um, what are some of the financial implications that they need to think about with that decision? Yeah, that is a huge one because everyone views the house as the biggest asset. Something that women don't take into consideration, or men, if they want to keep the house, is that there are certain deductions you get um, by being married versus single. So mm. let's say, for example, with the house, the house is worth a half a million dollars. And you decide, you and your soon-to-be ex, we're going to sell the house and move on. Well, that half a million dollars, you don't have to pay taxes on. Now, if you decide, I'm going to keep the house and my, my ex-husband, he's leaving. And three years down the line, you decide, you know what? I can't afford this. This isn't, isn't going to work. I'm going to downsize. And you sell the house again for $500,000. Now you have to pay taxes on $250,000. Mm. So as a married couple, you get up to half a million dollars that you don't have to pay taxes on, on your property when you sell it. If you're single, it's only $250,000. If you legally marry again, you have to wait two years. That person has to live two years in the house, be married, and at least two years later for you to get that half a million dollar exemption again. Wow. That's so wild. some people keep the house. They say, I want to keep the house. Then they end up saying, I can't afford this anymore. And now they end up with this huge tax bill. So when they did the separation, it wasn't 
it wasn't a fair and equitable settlement because now you're stuck with maybe seventy, eighty thousand dollars of taxes you have to pay that wasn't taken into consideration. So that means that the other spouse did better than you because they didn't pay taxes on that property because you bought them out, let's say, for the house. Wow. Mm-hmm. Don't you don't they have to refinance the house too? They they do have to um at least change the mortgage and a lot of people they do refinance. But right now with the rates, most people are not. They're just removing the other spouse off of the mortgage. And I assume that other spouse has to agree to that. Yes. And okay. then they get a buyout, but the buyout usually ends up with money that you don't have to pay taxes on. So you may have just helped your spouse gain seventy, eighty thousand dollars by doing that. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I don't think a lot of people think of that. Um, no. So we've talked about so many things here, so many yeah. specifics, and I would encourage women to actually go back and re-listen to this and maybe take some notes because there's so much juicy information here. What three actionable steps would you give the women in our audience that would help them the most um, overall financially? I would tell them, like we said, the first thing is speaking to somebody like yourself first and then a divorce, then somebody like myself, then the attorney, going backwards from what's considered the norm. And you have to understand what you're fighting for in a divorce. So that's why CDFA is really important. The numbers should add up. And the third thing I would tell people is it's very important to update your beneficiaries as soon as the divorce is over. I have seen people not do that. And pass away. And the ex-spouse is still on certain accounts. And there's nothing the courts can do. They cannot update, change it. It doesn't matter. Um, The only exception is if a child was born after you have signed a change of beneficiary form. So let's say, for example, you had two children and you had updated all of your accounts. You have child number three. Ten years later, you pass away. They can go back to court and say, well, mom signed everything before Danny was born. So that's considered, gotcha. okay, open for discussion. Then the attorney, the, uh, the judge will say, okay, we, that seems fair because there's three children as opposed to two. When it comes to spouses or ex-spouses, there's no room for negotiation. So it's really important to gotcha. update your beneficiaries as soon as you finish the divorce process. I can testify to that. I was married and my husband passed. Mm-hmm. And he forgot to update the beneficiaries on one policy from his ex-wife. So mm-hmm. legally, that money was was entitled to her. Correct. She was gracious enough to sign that money over to me. That is very unheard of. And she's yes. a, just a, a wonderful woman. Uh, but it is, it is very rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have seen that where um, there are issues where the... Legal documents are not updated, like the will, the trust, mm-hmm. a family trust. Um, you may have to create a separate family trust now that there's a new spouse involved. So it's really important to look at your legal documents and make sure that they match up to the picture you are in right now in your life. The picture should match your financial documents. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. gotcha. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to tell a woman financially? The hardest thing is to tell them. You can't afford to get divorced. That one's hard. Why would that be? It's possible that there's just not enough income to run two separate households. 
it's possible that there's just not enough assets in order to create, like I said, two separate households. You need more money to create two separate households as opposed to just one. So that's something that's not really taken into consideration. What if the husband files um, without looking at the finances and that's the situation? What happens then? They can continue with the divorce. They can continue with just a, a separation. They can live together, right, with still a legal separation. Um, a lot of times the reason why they have to stay together is because of the children. There's an issue there where they are not going to be able to afford to pay for all of these children. And so they may say, well, we're going to legally separate, but we're going to continue to just separate the house. Let's say it's two floors. You get one floor, I get the other floor. And then when the children mm-hmm. turn 18, we're going to be able to to finally get divorced because we'll financially be able to maybe because other retirement income comes into play. It could be a pension. It could be a lot of different reasons. Um, or if the husband is very, very hell-bent on, on getting the divorce, they may realize at the end that they've put all this time effort into something where neither of them is going to be able to maintain their finances and they may end up having to go back to each other. Yeah. I've also heard of the situation where one of the spouses has a debilitating long-term illness such as Alzheimer's. Yes. And the couple divorces kind of on paper only so that the ill spouse can qualify for Medicaid. Yes. To cover the expense of the illness. Can yes. you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I've seen that too. Um it's legal. I mean, there's nothing that mm-hmm. says that you can't do that. And these are people that are taking advantage of the system. So um, I've seen even seniors divorcing just because then they realize, well, if we don't divorce, we're not going to be able to get the same retirement benefits, Social Security. There's been a lot of silver divorces for that specific reason. It's not that they don't love each other anymore. It's just that they make more money actually divorcing. So there are different circumstances where actually you could make more money being divorced than being together. You can get some government assistance. So um, I have seen that and it's unfortunate that that's how this, this system works in this country. Tell me about the social security impact of this, like with the gray divorce. Yeah. So if you get divorced and you don't remarry, you could end up getting 50% of your ex-spouse's social security. So if you were married for 10 years, right? I think correct. 10 years. Yeah. So some people say, well, you know what? We can't afford to maintain that. Whatever it is, we're retired. We don't have the income like we used to. And my spouse never worked. My wife never worked. So there's no social security income really coming in. So if we divorce though, I'll be able to get 50% of my spouse's social security. On top and of he, he gets his. Okay. So the the fifty percent she's taking doesn't come out of his. It's in nope. addition to his. Wow. So let's say for example, it's twenty four hundred dollars that he's he's almost maxing on the social security spectrum, twenty four hundred dollars a month. And so they divorce and she doesn't remarry. She's entitled to twelve hundred. Let's say she worked part time. Her her social security benefits only worth three hundred, four hundred dollars. She says, "Well, it's twelve hundred dollars as opposed to three hundred dollars. That's a lot of money to leave on the table." So there's a lot of silver divorces for that for social security, which kind of sounds silly, but it, it's happening. Yeah, I read. Yeah. Um, 
I read that the overall divorce rate is kind of stable or declining a little bit, but the rate of gray divorce is doubling. Yes. So that's that's pretty amazing. That's wow. one of the reasons why for social security and other retirement benefits. So what what are any other steps that one should take during the di- divorce process or after? Yeah, so getting the quadro signed, if there's money, quadro is a qualified What's domestic a quadro. Re- a qu- okay. A quadro is a qualified domestic relations order. So what that that legal document is basically telling us is you're entitled to X amount of money from your spouse's retirement accounts or investment accounts, whatever you want to call it. And so the financial institution is going to get this and see, okay, we need to split this money and it's going to go to, let's just say John is divorcing Mary. Okay. And Mary is owed some money. The quadro will tell them, okay, you need to transfer X amount of money from John's account to Mary. Okay. You don't have to pay taxes on this division. Ooh, okay. Um, when you divide the asset. But what hap- what you can do is some people say, well, I need some money right after the divorce. You're able to take a one-time distribution without paying a penalty of 10%. You still have to pay taxes, but you won't get penalized if you're under age 60. Now, after that happens, you okay, I've taken, let's say, Mary's owed $100,000, we'll just say. And she needs $20,000 to pay off her expenses from the divorce. She can take $20,000 and she'll have to pay taxes on it, but she won't get penalized if she's under 60. The rest, the 80, let's say whatever it grows to, she will pay taxes on, on that 80 um, in retirement when she starts taking out distribution. So the tax liability falls on whoever receives the account. John won't have to pay taxes on whatever is divided. Gotcha. But it's important to divide the asset as soon as the divorce is over because I was brought into a case where the wife and ex-husband never signed the paperwork and it was sitting there for seven years. Wow. And the financial institution says, we have no idea what this account is value. We'd have to go back into our archives to figure out how much this account was worth on the date of divorce because you never separated the asset. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Many women come to me with the antiquated notion that women can't understand math and can't mm-hmm. understand accounting. The, the society we have has kind of raised people to say the man manages the money. He's the smartest when it comes to money. And she is, you know, here. In addition, there are situations where the husband kept the wife away from the finances so she's totally unaware Mm -hmm. do you have any suggestions there might be some women listening here today Mm -hmm. that feel intimidated by what we talked about do you have any question uh thoughts for women to bolster their self-esteem related to finances and money yeah so i am also a financial coach And I deal with a lot of women who have no experience in finance whatsoever. A lot of women who are in that specific situation that you're discussing. So my objective is to teach them the basics of finance using shoe analogies. So as women, we love shoes. (laughs) We love shoes. (laughs) Right. So 
I explain financial terms with shoes. And by doing that, a lot of women feel a little bit more comfortable asking more questions because they feel that's something that we all discuss as women, shoes. And then little by little, they start to understand financial concepts. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. I tell them, ask whatever you want to ask me. It's not a big deal. And this is a judgment-free zone. So let me give you an example. I tried to explain to women about the importance of diversifying your portfolio. Let's say, for example, you told me you owned 100 pairs of brown shoes. Would any woman ever do that? Only brown shoes, no other color. Beverly, would you ever own 100 pairs of brown shoes? No. No. Why do you have different different colors? colors. Right. Why? Because they go with different outfits. Exactly. So a lot of people don't realize their portfolios look like 100 pairs of brown shoes. There's no diversity in it. It looks all the same. It just has a different bumper sticker on it, a different company. So when you're sitting down with, when I'm sitting down with women, I like to look at all of their accounts and say, okay, does everything look the same or do you really have a diversified portfolio? Let's talk about, do you have a hundred pairs of brown shoes or do we have different colors going on here? Once I say that, the women feel a little bit more at ease. Wow. To talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one yeah. of the things I work with them on is empowering themselves to feel better about themselves, feel stronger and more capable. So the two can come together, I think, to accomplish that. Absolutely. Oh, Sarah, this session has just had so much great information to help so many women. Um, How can our listeners find you if they want to learn more? Yes. So I have a website, uh, stilettofinancial.com. I also run a blog series right on my website that teaches the basics of finance. It's free advice. And it's obviously not that specific advice. It doesn't mean it applies to every single person, but it's storytelling of what's going on, what I've seen happen. And they can also reach out to me, um, like I said, through the website, or they can give me a call on the website. It has my phone number. I'm also available on LinkedIn. So you can look me up on Stiletto Financial or Sarah Fadelson. Sounds wonderful. Is there anything else, just a last thought that you want to share with everybody? I would tell women that they should stop being afraid of talking about finance. It's not a taboo subject. It's something that we as women should know about. If women could be doctors, attorneys, right? They could be uh, judges. They can definitely figure out finance and we should help each other to, to want to learn these things and not to view it as a that's a topic that's only for men. So don't be afraid to talk about something, you know, be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable and eventually you will understand finance. So don't be afraid. I like that. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Sarah, thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been an incredible, incredible element to our series. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. All of Sarah's information will be available in the show notes along with mine, and you can find them at herselfexpression.com on the podcast page. I believe that woman helping women is our superpower. That's why I'm bringing you powerful women experts on all the areas of divorce. Divorce isn't a time for guesswork when so much expertise is available. We don't want you to look back after your divorce and wish you had done things differently. 
Thank you for being with Sarah and myself on this episode of the Her Self-Expression Divorce Series. Remember, you don't have to go through this this process alone. I work with all these experts to coach you along your journey. Whether you are contemplating divorce, separated, in the midst of the legal and financial process, or divorced and looking for a better life, we're all here to help. Thank you and take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Her Empowered Divorce Expert Series. I hope that you found the information we shared to be eye-opening and useful. I'm Beverly Price, and through my divorce and empowerment coaching, I serve as the leader of your divorce team, helping you to build self-esteem, knowledge, and emotional strength, as well as skills in communication, negotiation, and conflict resolution. If this sounds interesting to you, let's talk. Go to HerEmpoweredDivorce.com and request a divorce breakthrough session. As you talk with me, you will discover that I can assemble the most effective team and create a custom one-on-one coaching solution just for you. You can find this episode, blog posts, resources, and more at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Now look for our other Divorce Expert Series episodes coming soon. Take care.